Hello, and welcome to Lion and Mouse Commentary. We're your hosts, Holland and Tori, two best friends as different as a lion and a mouse. Today, we are reviewing Speak Now by Taylor Swift, the musical album, and we will be ranking it on an objective scale of 0 to 10, with only two points allowed for personal taste. Feel free to agree, disagree, or just learn about something new. Just be sure to tread lightly. There are not spoilers ahead. You can just listen to the album yourself. Cut to the intro. spoilers for this so alrighty well welcome to the lion's den for our new listeners we'll be breaking down the scoring system by category as we go but you can check out the full breakdown on our website so let's get started so I chose this album for us to review this is actually the first time I've gotten to pick an album for our podcast series yeah yeah so this is familiar to both of us this is more familiar to me than to Tori um it's actually one of my favorite Taylor Swift albums um, so just some background on this album. If you don't know anything about Taylor Swift or her music, Speak Now is the third studio album by Taylor Swift. It was released on October 25th, 2010 through Big Machine Records, which was at the time was her record label. Swift wrote the album entirely herself within two years while she was promoting her second studio album, Fearless. It was inspired by her transition from adolescence into adulthood. It's now considered a loose concept album about her confessions regarding love and heartache with some songs about her public experiences. It was produced by Taylor Swift and Nathan Chapman. It is considered to have a combination of country pop, pop rock, and power pop with rock sensibilities and melodies characterized by acoustic instruments, dynamic electric guitars, strings, and drums. There are 14 tracks on the original album, and there's a deluxe edition with six bonus tracks that also contains the music video to her first single released, Mine, and a behind-the-scenes video of the making of that music video. Taylor Swift did complete a world tour for this album, and the album peaked at number one on the Billboard 200 and number one on the U.S. Top Country Albums. In the U.S., it was nominated for Album of the Year at the Academy of Country Music Awards, the American Country Music Awards, and in 2011, it was nominated for Album of the Year in the by the Country Music Association Awards. It won Favorite Album in the Country category at the 2011 American Music Awards. At the 54th Annual Grammy Awards in 2012, Speak Now was nominated for Best Country Album, and its single, Mean, won Best Country Solo Performance and Best Country Song. Interestingly, the U.S. Billboard Decade End Chart, which is the total charts... Uh, collectively combined between the year 2010 and 2019, it ranked 50 for the Billboard 200 and 17 for the U.S. Top Country Albums out of a decade. Wow. So that's some background for her album. And let's go ahead and get started into the categories. Okay. So for music, the first category is lyrics and writing. Um, Out of two possible points, I gave this full points, surprisingly. Um, So before I jump in, I want to say that I am definitely not as big of a fan of Taylor Swift as Holland is. So there will be some bias, I think, that may come through. I know Holland's going to do her best to be as objective as possible. Why do you have to call me out like that? (laughs) 
Sorry. This was me talking about day six, though. So, like, it happens. Like, you, you, the things that are very important to you, you obviously have some bias towards. I don't have the attachment to Taylor Swift that Holland does. So that is the blanket on everything I'm going to say tonight. Um, but I think that this album shines in its lyrics and writing. I think this is the strongest point of this album. Taylor Swift has a very storytelling style. She's always kind of been like that, even from the beginning. Um, but I think that I'm not as well versed in her discography as Holland is, but I have listened to pretty much everything from her like debut album up to like 1989. I think I'm fairly familiar with basically all the tracks. Um, and I think that it, this album in particular is really um, linear. Like each song has like a linear storyline to it that's very easy to follow. It paints a nice mind picture a lot of the times. You can kind of see, um, and I know a lot of the tracks have music videos associated with them, but you almost don't need them because of how she writes typically. It's very clear, kind of, she sets it up, it, she kind of talks about, like, there's a very clear, like, uh, beginning, middle, end to a lot of these songs. And I think that's really cool. And, and I think that, I think it's almost a kind of a dying breed to write songs like that. And I would say that a lot of songwriters will write songs based on themes, but the whole, like, storytelling um, aspect in your lyrics seems to be not as common as it once was. Um, and I don't know if that's something that's maybe more for the genre of like country. I feel like country is more of a storytelling genre than like pop or rock is where they go more for like emotions or feelings like overall in a, in a track instead of like an actual story. So I don't know if, if that has part something to do with it. Um, but either way, I think it's enjoyable. <clears throat> um, there's lots of really good emotional threads, whether the song is sad, angry, happy. Um, I think the emotional threads are usually set up really good. Um, just in, in certain phrasings that, that she uses. Um, for instance, like, I think, like in Back to December, I want to talk about that track for a second. So in Back to December, the beginning of the chorus starts, this is me swallowing my pride. And I feel like that's a fairly large emotional thread that then holds the rest. It's like the clothesline that holds the rest of the chorus. Um, and she uses that sort of... Um, I guess, structure, for lack of better term, in a lot of her songs. And I think it's really effective. Um, things like um, in Last Kiss I, is another good example, where she kind of sets up the emotional thread and then everything kind of hangs on that like a sheet. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of really good moments like that. And I think that she's really good at writing um, like vocal, like lyrical flow. Like there's, there's a lot of really cool, uh, rhythm moments that she writes in. And I put this under lyrics and writing other than production or singing because it, she's, she's writing it this way. And of course, you know, then the production and singing is going to follow that. But the baseline of that rhythm is her written creation and, and 
um, a lot of the like rhyme patterns that she uses and things are very creative. She sometimes rhymes things within its own line instead of just rhyming lines with lines. She's like rhyming words within lines. And I think that's really cool. Um, and she does a really good job with that. I almost took off half a point though. And let me talk about why. Some tracks are so long. There are multiple tracks that are over five minutes long. There are one, two, three, four, five. Five of the 14 tracks in the main album are over five minutes long. And I think like two in the deluxe edition are over five minutes long. That's long. You're, you're, if you want to sit down and listen to speak now from start to finish, you got to invest time. Like that's not a 35 minute album. That's an hour long or more album. The deluxe edition is like an hour and 30 minutes. Right. It's so it's long. That's a feature length film. And so I, I almost took off half a point with, for that, because I feel like it can get really... It'll feel like a lot, especially if there's not a lot of deviation in those songs. When you're watching a musical, for like comparison's sake, when you're watching a musical, you may have a seven minute number, but there's usually a lot of deviation happening in a number like that on a stage in a musical. So it's easier to accept the length of a track that long. In an album like this, where you don't have that kind of visual aid, it can be like, okay, we're on chorus number six now. Like, I'm ready for something different. And you're not getting a lot of changes in lyrics. You're not getting a lot of vocal changes. You're not getting a lot of musical changes. It just kind of feels like you're in, like, a time warp a little bit. However, I think that the tracks that are long are continuing to tell the story and since I do enjoy how much she has a storytelling um, aspect about this album and her style in general, I ended up choosing not to take any points off um, and give it its full points. It's just a note I wanted to make because I feel like it could be um, it could be a downfall if you didn't have the time to sit and invest in the song. So that being said. Those are all of my notes. Two out of two points for lyrics and writing. Yeah. I also gave this two out of two points for lyrics. I think one of the areas where Taylor Swift excels, especially... Well, I should say this. I really think where Taylor Swift excels, and in this era of her music, when she was between the ages of 15 and 20, 25... She really didn't get as much credit as I think she's due for her lyric writing ability. Like you said, a lot of her story, excuse me, a lot of her songs are telling a story. The thing I like about the various lyrics in multiple songs is that there, like the opening track, Mine, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to the story. Um, In the the title track, Speak Now, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to the story. So you're listening to it, and lyrically, you're being told a story, and yet there's a lot of poetic and catchy aspects of it that it's not like someone's randomly singing a narrative. It's actually a song. Um... One thing I do like about the lyrics and the writing of this album in particular is up to this point, Taylor Swift's previous two albums were primarily 
love songs and breakup songs. And there's a lot more lyrical variety on this album. Back to December is an apology song, which is really rare to hear in Mm -hmm. any musical genre. The mean, never grow up, um, better than revenge, innocent, long live. All of those songs are neither breakup songs nor love songs. They all have their own individual message. So it makes for a lot of variety to the album lyrically because you're not just hearing one love song after another love song, breakup song, love song, breakup song. That gets very fatiguing in listening to an album. And so the content of this album lyrically is extremely varied. And I really like that aspect of it. And I think it makes for a good album to listen through because you have these varying moments of and different messages that you're listening to instead of just listening to one very long love song or one very long breakup song. Or like the theme of the entire album is about losing the love or being dumped or having heartbreak or falling in love. It's just an album that I think is pretty aptly named. It's just what Taylor Swift has to say. That's kind of the theme of the album. And so what she has to say is very different things. I think overall, the lyrics are relatively complex when you when you actually like break down line by line. There's a lot of poetic elements to it. Of course, there's a rhyming scheme, but it never really feels like a campy, catchy pop rhyming. It feels like a very organic rhyming scheme in listening to whatever, whichever song it is. It feels very organic. And yet it's still pretty catchy and the rhythm is really upbeat or a nice ballad, depending on what which song it is, but it all feels organic to that specific musical composition. The lyrics fit the music. Um, in sort of the storytelling aspects of like mine and Speak Now, I think it's interesting that in both of those songs, and you could say it's redundant, but in both of those songs, she is singing to a male character. And at the end of the song, they repeat whatever lyrics back to her. I think that's just kind of clever. Um, so I just wanted to make a note of that. The one song I think that really lyrically, there's a, I think the reason that it did so well on the charts and was did or was pretty popular at the time is the song Mean. It's a really unique take on the kind of song where you did something wrong to me and here's my response. A lot of the country music songs where a woman scorned, the woman scorned song is about me trashing your car or stealing your truck best, or sleeping with your best sleeping friend, with your best friend. Yeah. you know so it's it's often I'm gonna get revenge and although Taylor Swift does have a song that says there's nothing I do better than revenge on this album the song mean is very much a you know the cycle ends now I'm not gonna sink to your level I'm gonna be fine and you're just gonna still be a horrible person and I think that's a really unique song I think it's a really uplifting song and I think it speaks to a lot of people And lyrically, it's kind of a difficult message to convey without it being either downplaying hardship or becoming a I'm just going to get revenge on you song. Uh, Just a couple examples I I had written down as far as like lyrics that I think are just really should get a lot more credit than they do because Taylor Swift at the time this album was released was like 20 years old. And so people kind of downplayed her like she's still a teenager writing music. 
was um, in the song, The Story of Us. She says, I've never heard silence quite this loud. That's a really complex, like pretty profound concept. And then in that same song, she says, you held your pride like you should have held me. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty powerful mental picture for a 20 year old to write. I think when we reviewed Paramore's Riot album, I wanted to emphasize like this is a teenager writing this music. And I think that that credit needs to be given here as well. When Taylor Swift was promoting her previous album, she was between the ages of, you know, 18, 19 years old. And, you know, maybe 17 to 20 years old, roughly. And so in the same way that Haley Williams in writing the Riot album was a teenager at that time, Taylor Swift was as well. So I just wanted to make a note of that. I think it's a notable thing. But overall, I think the lyrics do speak for themselves. So I give it two out of two points. Okay, great. So the next category for music is singing or vocal ability. Um, And out of two possible points, I gave this one point. So... I think Taylor Swift has a very iconic voice. It's very recognizable. However, I can't say in my experience listening to Taylor Swift that I've ever been wowed by her voice. I don't think that she is necessarily um, a vocalist of the kind of ability that you would just, your mouth would drop. Or like she does, you know, incredibly creative or different things with her voice. Um, Her tone is not necessarily unusual. Um, However, that's not to say that I don't think she's a good singer. She's better than me, probably. Um, So I don't want that to come across as a harsh criticism. Um, I just think that she's good, and that's about it for me. Um, But I I think that um, she... I have to give credit for, I know this is not necessarily a, a, like a reflection on Taylor, but the songs that involve harmonies that are not her harmonizing with herself are very nice. And those backup singers, um, like in Back to December, uh, there there's a male that does the harmony in the chorus. And I think it's lovely. Like, I think that harmony is great. Um, uh, there's another song where there's a male, uh, Oh, it might be it in ours, which is a deluxe track. So that's, you know, maybe a side note. But like in the deluxe version in ours, there's a male vocalist that harmonizes with her. Um, and not to say that the harmonies that Taylor does upon herself are bad by any means. Um, but I, it's always more interesting when you hear another voice that's not hers harmonizing with her. And I honestly feel like it makes Taylor's vocals seem better when you're layering it with a different voice. I don't know if that's just my imagination. I might be speculating that. But I I think that the vocal quality improves when there's a harmony with a different vocalist. Um, and that just happens occasionally. I wish it would happen more. Um, I do, I, I feel like I want to hear more range stretching in this. While I was listening to this album, all I kept thinking was, I feel like Taylor is playing it so safe. I feel like her vocal ability is probably better than we get on this album. And there's not a lot of opportunities that she gives herself in these songs to really make us go, okay, all right, okay, I see you trying that new thing, that new style, that new vocal trill. I I see you hitting that note that I didn't expect. I think the best song vocally is The Story of Us. 
Um, because she does give us this nice moment in the bridge and like this variation in the last chorus that I'm like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. I had to wait through seven. I had to listen to six other tracks before I got something that made me go, okay, yes, less. I'm, I'm now cheering. Like if I was at a concert and she was playing these songs in the order that they are on this album, I feel like the story of us when she hits those like high, that high deviation in that last chorus, that's when I would be cheering at the concert. And I feel like I had to wait through a lot of like, okay, vocals before we got there. And so I wish that we had had these opportunities to kind of, um, I, I don't know, I, it sounds weird to say, but like, I, I want you to vocally flex on us a little bit more, Taylor, because at this point, I don't see it coming from you. And I, I wish I did. Um, so that's really where most of my critique lies in, in the singing and vocal ability is because it's like, I think you can do better and you're just not doing better. <laughs> so I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, I do think that as far as like emotional weight, she's really good at that. Um, she has, she brings a lot of weight to the songs that are kind of sad or more mellow. And then she does give more of an airy quality when she's in a happier or lighter mood or tone. So I think those things she does really well. Um, she's also very clear. She enunciates very well. I, I can't tell you how frustrating it is for me to listen to a song and have, I'm like, there's like a line where I'm like, literally no idea what they're saying. You know, aside from K-pop, which obviously there's like a language barrier there already, but if you're singing in my native language, I want to understand what you're saying. And it's frustrating to me when artists are very like vague in their enunciation. I don't think that's the case with Taylor at all. I think she's very easy to follow. She's very clear to understand. Um, I just wish that she flexed a little more. Like, I don't know how else to say it, but like, I the whole time I'm just thinking like, I feel like she could just do a little bit better, like, or just do something a little more interesting vocally or, and stretch that range and, and try different styles vocally. I feel like the ability is there, but she never gives us any of that in, um, the album. Well, she gives us small tastes of it. Like I mentioned, like in the story of us. Um, but, uh, and it, I think it happens a few times in Enchanted as well. Um, so, that's really my big critique is that it's good, but I feel like it could be better and we just never get to better. And so that's why I gave it just one out of two points. All right. So I actually give it one and a half points out of two. I actually agree with a lot of what you have to say. I think that it you can pretty confidently say that Taylor Swift does not have the most incredible voice out of the female singers that are out there. I mean, we reviewed... Paramore's Riot album, Haley Williams has an incredible voice with an incredible range, and Taylor Swift does not have that capability, that same capability. Mm -hmm. She also doesn't sing that same style of music. So, like, I, I do think that there, there is some credit that she is singing at this time predominantly country-style music, and so a lot of that music doesn't have the same call for range that other vocalists may have. She also doesn't have a voice that has any distinctive, you know, rasp or tone to it that sounds exceptionally unique that like, like, uh, 
Like Shakira. Yeah, like Shakira or or Janis Joplin or even yeah, like, like Linda Ronstadt. It's, like you, they open their mouth and you immediately know whose voice that yeah, is. Yeah, or like, yeah. you know, Brian Adams or, you know, artists like that where you hear it and you instantly, there's nobody else on the planet that sounds like them. She doesn't have that. And I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the points you gave her, a lot of the credit you gave her as far as the, the enunciation, she's, her diction is always very clear. She enunciates really well. I think the tone of her voice is very nice. I think that she writes songs that she's capable of singing. She doesn't write music that musically would fit someone with the range of Haley Williams and then try and sing that. So I think she's just very smart in writing what she's good at singing. Um, But yeah, I don't think she has the best voice of every musical artist out there. However, I do think that it exactly fits the music that she's writing. It completely fits her genre. I think that um, a lot of credit should also be given, because we're, we're reviewing the whole album, I think a lot of credit should be given to the background vocals in this album. Taylor sings all of the female background vocals and all of the male background vocals are actually sung by her producer, Nathan Chapman. Oh, So he's the only male vocalist. He was her producer and produced and recorded the album with her. And he does a great job. I do agree. I think that the songs where he is singing backing vocals to her just makes her sound so much better. And it makes the song sound so much better. I have seen... I was fortunate enough to be able to see this the Speak Now tour live and Taylor hit every note on stage live that she hits on this album. She doesn't use autotune singing live. She doesn't use autotune on this album. There are a couple songs that have a little bit of an effect on her voice just because it fits the style like in Better Than Revenge. There's a little bit of an effect on her voice. But I'm not really a hater on effects yeah. or autotune as long as they're used in a creative way and not to trick us. Right, you know? right. So... She is able to sing in this capability night after night after night on tour. Um, But I will say, I do think that her voice sounds even better when she has good background vocals. And I wonder if she had other female background vocals on this album, which she did on tour. She had some female singers that sang backing to her live, if it wouldn't, it would either accentuate her voice better or would it make, would it overpower her voice and make her voice not seem as good as the people singing background vocals to her? I don't know the answer to that. Um, But I do think that I would like to hear some other female backing vocals on this album. But, you know... I wasn't there. They didn't ask my opinion when they made it. It's probably the (laughs) the best thing. But um, I do think one thing I did want to give give credit for is there's such a high risk with the kind of songs that Taylor Swift writes, especially like the love song and breakup songs, particularly like the breakup song genre. It's so easy vocally for a female artist to sound whiny. Male artists can sound whiny too. But I think there's a lot of credit to be given that in songs like Dear John, Haunted, those those songs where she's singing, you know, a pretty sad song and the vocals are 
are louder compared to something like a song like Last Kiss, where she could have sounded really, really whiny and nasally. And she has really good use of vocal control in those songs that are, you know, she holds these long notes or slides a note down and it doesn't sound like she's just whining through the whole song. So I gave her one and a half points out of two, but I do agree with a lot of the points that you had as well. Okay. Um, So the third category for music is production. Um, And in case you haven't listened to other music episodes that we've done, this involves basically anything that's not lyrics or singing. So this is musicality, instrumentation, mixing, um, you know, instruments versus uh, digital samples, that sort of thing. Um, So for two possible points out of production, I gave this one point. For the most part, um, the progressions and rhythms are very simple. Anyone could just pick this up on an acoustic. I'm, there are exceptions, but for the most part through this whole album, it's like there's like a chord, like a chord progression and that song sticks to that chord progression. And it's usually fairly simple chords and that's fine. I'm not necessarily knocking that because that's what I would do if I was writing a song. I'd just like make it easy to play. Um... And, but there's a lot of it and there's a lot of like very similar rhythms, very similar strum patterns, even in songs that may be faster or slower or have different chord progressions. Um, sometimes it feels like, okay, this is reminiscent of two other songs I've listened to on this album. Um, the... And I think that boils down to what I would call that there's not a lot of genre experimentation that goes on in this album. She, okay, Holland's face is like, uh, no (laughs) ma'am. This is what I would say. I would say that Taylor Swift is playing her country pop with some rock influences for the majority of this album. And there's nothing in there that really makes me go, Okay, this is different. The exception to that, I think the most interesting track musically is Haunted. I think it's the most unusual track on the album, but there's a lot of acoustic guitar. We see a lot of banjo that comes in, um, mandolin kind of things. A lot of like the traditional country stringed instruments. We hear a lot of that musically. Um, It's a lot of just guitars, a bass, and a... and a drum, and they're pretty much all doing the same sort of thing, uh, whether that's slow, fast, whatever. I just feel like there's not a, a ton of like risk taking musically on this album, and so um, I, I I never, other than haunted, you know, I'm listening to it and I'm like, yep, this sounds like a Taylor Swift song, like this sounds like a Taylor Swift song, and I'm want Taylor Swift to give us a song on the Speak Now album that doesn't sound like a Taylor Swift song. And the only one that's like that for me is Haunted. Um, so I, again, again, it's just kind of like, I feel like we could do more with this album, but we're, we're not quite doing more. We're just doing what's safe and comfortable and what we know and what we know we can do well. So that's where we're going to stay. Um, it, it just, there's a little bit of repetition, I think, to me. Um, And maybe part of this is because some of those tracks are so long that like, you know, I'm halfway through 
you know, last kiss, which is six minutes and seven seconds long, and I'm halfway through, and that's the length of a whole song already, and we're still going. Okay, are we going to mix it up? No, we're not going to mix it up. We're going to continue forward with the same thing that we've been doing for the previous three minutes. Um, so I guess I don't mean to sound harsh, because for those of you who really love this, th that sort of sound, that's great for you. But for me, I'm like ready for something different. You know, I'm ready for something more unusual. Um, I don't want to compare this album too much to other albums, but like an album that I do feel is very interesting musically is her Red album. I feel like there's a lot more experimentation on that album and in 1989. Musically, I feel like there's a lot more experimentation. Do I like those albums as much? Well, actually, Red is my favorite album, so maybe that one. I'll use 1989. Do I like 1989 as much as Speak Now? Maybe not, but I think musically, it's just a lot more interesting. Compositionally, it's just, there's more different. Like, there's... It's just more different. <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's why I'm not as deep of a Taylor Swift fan as a lot of people are, is because I like the Taylor Swift stuff that doesn't really sound like Taylor Swift, but is still Taylor Swift. And I know I'm sounding like a psycho right now because I don't know how to fully explain myself, but I just really like it when Taylor Swift takes a song and it's like the song starts musically and I go, okay, yes, this is something different. This is something new. I was not expecting this. I want her to subvert my expectations. And that rarely happens in the Speak Now album. But last note for production is that I do have to give credit that to my ears, all those instruments sound real. And I don't think they sample anything. They do not. Okay. So then that's good. So I, I and I love that. I love it. I want real instruments in all music, if I'm honest with you. I know that's not always possible. And sometimes sampled things can be used in a really creative way. So I don't want to knock sampled music. But I just love when there are instruments in a booth being played by musicians. And I think it it gives the song a nice feeling of, like, uh, like genuine... Uh, work I guess not to say that those who are producing sampled music aren't putting in work but hopefully you understand what I'm trying to convey is that I appreciate the work that a real musician does to sit in a booth and play um so I think that's a, a good thing but all of that to say one point out of two for production <laughs> go ahead okay well I don't agree that I think I don't think that an album needs to have a large amount of variety to be like to merit more points in this category. For example, Paramore's Riot album, the sound is pretty much consistent across the board. There, there's no musical variety in that album. It all sounds like the exact same style. There's no experimentation in that album, and I think that I don't I didn't deduct points for that. So that's just my perspective on okay, that. Okay, I don't disagree with you. Then perhaps then perhaps it would be more accurate for me to say that the length of this album and the tracks lend itself to feel more repetitive. I think that's completely valid though. And I, I think if if you if you think an album should have more variety, then that's that's I think that's a perfectly valid opinion. I don't think that 
you're right or wrong one way or the other. I think that in my, in my reviewing of this category, I actually think that this album, especially compared to other albums of Taylor Swift's, particularly her Fearless album and her first album, which was the only thing out there when this album came into play, um, I think there's a lot more variety on this album compared to past albums and compared to some future albums. She, the, the songs like Mine and Sparks Fly do sound very, you know, consistently, stylistically. Um, but then Back to December sounds different from Speak Now, which sounds different from Dear John, which sounds different from Mean. I think that there's a lot of variety. I think that there were there was some talk when Better Than Revenge was released. It, I believe it was released around the same time that uh, Paramore's The Only Exception came out and kind of a joke going around in the in the around the water cooler, if you will, was that Taylor Swift wrote a Paramore song and Paramore Paramore wrote a Taylor Swift song. So I think that this album does have a lot of experimentation as far as the musicality goes. So that's just my perspective on it, especially when you consider Taylor Swift was a, was very much a country album. And this is much more like a country pop into like a pop, not, not, I wouldn't say pop rock, but more into a, a pop rock pop slash rock feel versus that straight country from her prior albums. So in my perspective, especially coming from her first two albums and this being her third album, I think there is a lot of variety in it. And I think there's more variety in this album than her newest albums that she's released. So that's just my take on that. Which I have not even listened to, to be fair. I haven't listened to an album since 1989. Yeah. And, And 1989 does have a lot of variety. I think that, and Red does too. I think that's, you know, you're, I agree with you on those statements, but I personally think that this album does have a lot of variety, but also I will, I'm willing to acknowledge the fact that a lot of these tracks are very long. So when you're listening to Dear John, which I think is one of the longest albums or it's one of the longest songs, and yeah, seconds, it's almost yeah. a seven minute song. It does feel like you've been listening to two songs because you really have been listening to the length of what on some of the albums are two songs. Um, for production, uh, that those were some of my points with production. Like, Mean is very much a country song. It has the banjo. It has that really strong fiddle. The Story of Us has is really drum-heavy, you know, more of a rock sound to it. Better Than Revenge has that little bit of that pop-punk feel to it. Back to December has that really nice steel guitar, and then the strings come in. It's very much that quote-unquote Nashville sound ballad, um, which I just think sounds really, really nice. It makes the Apology song sound like an apology song without being depressing. I think that the production, the musical production of this album really conveys the tone and the emotion of the lyrics very, very well. Um, Dear John doesn't sound too whiny. Speak Now sounds fun and lighthearted. Long Live sounds like a power anthem. All of those songs, in my view, sound very, very different. And yet they all still feel like they came from the same artist. I do agree, I think, that your point that all of the instruments sound like real instruments. It doesn't sound like sample track. It just sounds really good. Actually, in kind of preparing for this this podcast episode I was reading up, and um, Nathan Chapman, who's the producer, he's he has a pretty wide musical ability, and so he does play a lot of the instruments, but in producing this album with Taylor Swift, he used samples to structure what the song sounded like. And then he was very intentional about having real musicians come in and play 
real live instruments for the album recording. So he used, he technically used samples in constructing the production sound of the album, but then real instruments were used in recording, the recording aspect of it. And I think that really comes across. Um, I, one thing I, I do particularly like about the kind of the musicality of this album that I think in in a way, I think it kind of contributes to the excessive length of some of these songs is a lot of the songs, and I would say every song, but not maybe not everybody feels that way. Um, I think that a lot of the songs feel like they have a movement in in it. So they start musically in a certain way. The song kind of builds when it needs to build. It usually comes down in the bridge and then swells again for the final chorus. And it moves with the lyrical tone of the song. So when the, the lyrics are, you know, growing in passion, the song really feels like it's swelling and moving with that. And I think that that's just done really tastefully. So you re- it really feels like an emotional album. It really pulls you in, I think, subconsciously in a way that you don't necessarily pick up when you're listening how sad this song is or how happy this song is. But I think the the music builds really effectively in mirroring what the emotional gravity of the song needs to be in that moment. So, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say on production, um, but I did give it two out of two points. And I think one of the biggest reasons I did that is because it just has, in my view, I think it has a lot of variety for Taylor Swift, especially at this time of her album release, but even comparing it to subsequent albums, even into most recent albums. So I think that this, the diversity in the amount of ballads versus upbeat songs, and then the different styles that all still feel country, they do still feel like country music songs, whether they're more poppy or more country feeling, I think they still fit the genre of a country album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I do concede to that point that it does still feel like, it feels like a Taylor Swift album and it yeah. feels like a country album. I, I do, you know, absolutely agree with that. But I think that two out of two points was, was what the production reflects. Okay. Okay, so uh, fourth category is album flow and cohesion. Um, so this can encompass a, a bunch of different things, but uh, mostly it's going to be like consistency, flow, theme. Um, does the artwork kind of match? Um, out of one point, I gave half a point. Um, I think this album is actually pretty flowy. I think that it we don't have too many like mellow songs back to back and we don't have fast songs like all like we're not hype all the time. So I think where kind of the slower songs, things like Back to December, Dear John, Never Grow Up, um, even Innocent is kind of more on the mellow side, Haunted. They're kind of, uh, they're placed in a nice way so that you are kind of on this um, gentle roller coaster, if you will. Um, and you, you don't feel like you're constantly on the up or constantly on the down. Um, you get to have breaks from the sadness and then kind of delve back into it. So I think that this album, the layout of the the set list or track list is very good. Um, I, I do think that that's um, a positive. Um, really, I don't have a lot to say about album flow cohesion. I think the, the cover art is perfect. Um, I think, you know, it's just a simple picture of Taylor 
doing a light, nice little spin on her dress. I think the, uh, a, the regular album is a purple dress and then it's red for the deluxe version. Yes. Um, which I think it's cool. It's a nice change while still knowing like, okay, it's the same album, but like it's a distinctive enough change. Um, so I, I think that the, the album cover sort of reflects nicely kind of the f- overall feel of the album. Um, the, I, I'm going to throw this into album flow cohesion. I think you might end up talking about this kind of stuff in personal taste and preference, but I'm, I put my notes for the deluxe version in, in the album flow. Um, the, there is a song in the deluxe version that seems out of place to me in the flow of the track list. And it's the song, if this was a movie for some reason, it just feels like it doesn't quite fit there. Like it should have come like a little earlier or even a little later or maybe have been omitted. It just, it's the one song that like, it still feels like a Taylor song, but it, it feels strange in the lineup of the songs in the deluxe, like additional tracks. I don't know, something about it. I was kind of just like, mm, I don't dislike the song, but it just felt weird where it was. Um, I also think that the acoustic and pop versions, so we get like an acoustic Back to December, an acoustic Haunted, Haunted, and then a pop remake of Mine, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel different enough to me to warrant their own tracks. Like, I'm like, I was, I literally listened to the acoustic Back to December and I was like, I mean, okay, that was 15 tracks ago. So I started Back to December again right after that. And I was like, it's barely different to me, like musically. So I was like, so if I wanted to listen to Back to December, I would just listen to Back to December. So I felt like those three were maybe a little unnecessary. Um, I hate to say it that way, but like, it just kind of felt like it wasn't enough of a remix. Um, You know, I think remixes are cool and I like when people do them, but I want them to feel detached enough that I feel like it's a new song, you know, like it's a nice new repackage instead of just like, it it almost feels like a different take of the same song. I think that, I think one thing with those bonus tracks and I, I cover the bonus tracks in creativity with, with albums. Um, but I think that the pop mix of mine was probably one of the most disappointing bonus tracks for me because at the time when this the the album was released, the first single released was mine, and the the song the version that played on like the top forty stations of radio versus country was very different. It was more upbeat. It it was really a pop mix, mm-hmm. and it's so much better than the one released on the bonus track of the yeah, album. Yeah, I don't, I, do, I like don't get it. Yeah. So I don't know. So that that was kind of like eh, for me. Um, but other than that, I feel like. Um, the the overarching theme i think of taylor swift i like that the title is speak now um i think taylor swift did a good job of picking that as and i actually i was reading i was as i was going through i was actually reading the lyrics along with the songs on genius because i like to see like when the artists actually contribute or whatever and i read that at one point taylor had pitched naming the album enchanted mm-hmm. that was and, the original title yeah of the album. and was kind of shot down by her agent saying like, oh, it's going to sound too kiddie. You're past that now. So it ended up being Speak Now. I think Enchanted would have been a fine 
album title, but I think Speak Now does sort of give this impression of it's a little bit bolder. Um, it's a little bit but in but not bold in the same way that the word fearless is bold. Speak now is almost like a, a like a like being fearless is like an interpersonal boldness. Speaking now is like a relational boldness. And I think that that reflects nicely in the tracks that she selected for the album. So I, I have to give props for that. Um, but I couldn't give it full points because of um and it, it mostly came down to the deluxe version, so I'm sorry if that's a terrible way to take a points off, but I did listen to all 20 tracks or whatever it was to, to make my decision, and those remakes just don't really make a lot of sense to me, and then that out of place if this was a movie kind of just made it feel like, ah, the, maybe the deluxe version wasn't worth being deluxe. So that's kind of why I, I pulled half a point off. So half, half a point out of one for album flow. All right. I also gave it half a point out of one point for album flow. I agree. I think the the title is, is excellent. Like you said, like we kind of already touched on. Um, I think it just feels more mature. And I think it's appropriate for, you know, Taylor Swift's discography to have more not really adult like you know it's not like it's it's really adult themes within the in the negative like not safe for work meaning but it just it is a more mature you know lyrically and you can tell these songs were written by somebody who's had a little bit more life experience than the person that wrote fearless and you know her self-titled album there's a there's a growing up that is evident right and i think that that fits very well in this album as a whole. Um, I think that for songs that that have, you know, variety, especially in the sense that there are a lot of songs that are ballads that heavily contrast the upbeat songs on this album, Last Kiss is an extremely minimal, downplayed, quiet song. And then you have The Story of Us, which is has drums, like, beating on the side of your head like they're so loud. And... For an album to have both of those songs consistently, like back to back to back, not really back to back, but the way that they flow into each other is is pretty impressive. Um, I didn't give it full points though, because I think that the song Innocent just feels a little out of place. It's like it doesn't quite fit the rest of the album musically or lyrically like the lyrical content of it. Mm. Um, I, I, the fun fact, the song was written about, it was kind Kanye of, ta West, right? Ka yeah, Kanye yeah. West interrupting her speech at the, uh, the MTV music video awards. Um, and so it's, it's a very lyrically well-written song. I, d I really don't have an issue with the song itself, but I, it, to me, it just kind of feels out of place. It's like this really mellow, like song. And I, I just, Personally, it doesn't seem to really fit. I think that if once you know the backs, if you know the backstory, you're like, oh, that's why it's on this album. But I, I don't think that you should have to know the backstory of a song to make it fit your album. And I think that if you didn't know the backstory, I think that a lot of people would just skip that song because it feels like it doesn't fit. Interesting. I. That was one of the... I thought it coming right after Better Than Revenge was great. It's strange how I'm seeing it different. But, like, I thought it was one of the better flow moments. Yeah. That's so weird. I just think I just think on the album as a whole, 
it's just like, I don't know. It just feels kind of awkward. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I feel like it should go on a different album or it should just go fit differently in the, in the track listing. Um, Alternatively, I also don't like that the song Ours is a bonus track. I think that album fits the theme of, like, the theme and with all the other songs on the main track listing. And so I, f- I feel like Ours should be on that album, and I'm disappointed that it's not. Mm-hmm. And so for kind of those reasons, I think that it, it kind of gets half a point for me. Um, but I do, I do really like that the song opens with mine and ends with long live. I think those are really good bookends. Um, I like that there are a lot of varied contents in the different tracks that they, they sing about different things, um, and that they still flow very well into each other. So I gave it half a point out of one. Okay. So now we're on to personal taste and preference. As always, this is two allotted points and I gave it one. Um, I do have an appreciation for Taylor Swift. I I know that my critiques are a little bit stronger than Holland's and that um, I would consider myself a a much more casual fan than Holland is of, of Taylor Swift. But I would still consider myself a fan. I'm just a toe dip fan. But I would consider myself a fan. I haven't plunged all the way in. And I'm happy with that. Like, I'm content where I'm at with, like, my... I would say you've at least waded in okay, deep. I've w- okay, I've waded. You've then. waded. I've waded. Okay. <laughs> you've waded. <laughs> and you're you're going with me to a Taylor True. Swift concert. We are going to see Taylor Swift next year. And I'm excited for that. Like, I think it's going to be a fun time. I think I'm going to enjoy the show and the music. Um, I want to talk about some of the tracks that I... That, um, I like the the most, and, and I know we will talk about this a little bit in lightning round two, so I'm sorry to spoil early, um, but uh, my two favorite songs on this album are Enchanted and Sparks Fly. Um, for some reason, I think the way that Taylor Swift delivers that feeling of almost like magic when you meet somebody, she just does that so well, and, and, and like when you like meet somebody and you don't expect to have them to have that sort of effect on you, but it's like lingering as she just paints these very nice word pictures in both of those tracks. And so I really enjoy listening to them. And so, you know, if I like just put Taylor Swift on, you know, for whatever, like, I'm just like in the mood for Taylor Swift, like when this album comes by, I never skip those two. Those are just two that I just really, really like. Um, Another song that I really, really like, and I'm going to get really sentimental for a minute, is I really enjoy the song Long Live, and that's because it reminds me so much of you, and I'm getting choked up right now, um, because it just reminds me of the summer we first started being really close, and we spent almost every day that summer together, and you played a lot of Taylor Swift, and you know I would playfully dunk on you a little bit with how much you loved Taylor Swift, and... Um, but that song, you would play that song and, um, it, so now I just hear that song and all I can think about is you and, and our time together and how close we got that summer. So it's just real, that song in particular is just really special to me. And so I really enjoy that one too. And I think that's another song that she just paints these wonderful word pictures. Um, so I have a big appreciation for those three songs in particular, but I didn't give it full points because as much as I've tried, I don't 
crave Taylor Swift's music the way that I do to other artists and genres at time. Like, there will be days where I wake up and I'm like, you know, this is a Paramore day. Like, I just need some Paramore in my life. So, like, I just put on my t Paramore playlist and, like, it just, like, that's just, like, emotionally, like, what I need at the at the time. You know, or, like, man, I, I just really want some Half Alive. So, like, I'll put on some Half Alive. But, like, I, I do so rarely be, I so rarely feel like, I just want to listen to Taylor Swift. And it's not because I dislike her, but it's just for some reason, like... I just don't gravitate in the same way toward her music as I do to other things. So because of that, I just gave it one out of two points. Alrighty. Well, I not surprisingly gave it two out of two points for personal taste and preference. I I would not call myself a Swifty by any means. Um, but this album kind of holds a special place in my heart. This was the first Taylor Swift album that I owned. When this album was released was really the first time that I started listening to Taylor Swift. I would listen it, listen to this album in, I had the CD, so I listened to, to it in the CD player of a car, <laughs> uh, like driving to and from, you know, work and, and school. And, and so it brings back all those wonderful memories, but I, I genuinely enjoy this album. I think of... Most of Taylor Swift's albums, this is one of the albums that I consistently like the majority of the songs on this album. I, I think the only song I, I'm not a particularly big fan of is, is the song Innocent. Um, I, I just usually skip that one. Just That's just taste. I don't think it's a bad song, like I said, but I just tend to skip it. Um, a couple of the songs on the bonus track, the bonus tracks, I don't particularly enjoy as much as others, but... For the rest of the album, I just genuinely like this song. I was I had the privilege of seeing um, Taylor Swift perform this album live. I was able to see her when you could still afford tickets <laughs> to see her. Um, sorry for everybody that didn't get tickets for her newest tour. That's just extremely tragic. You waited like six and a half hours. No, I waited eight hours oh, eight in hours. the queue and got the last like of 20 tickets that were left. So it was... A the miracle. Luck. Yeah. A complete miracle. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this album really highlights her songwriting skills. I, I think that it's unfortunate that at the time, at this era of Taylor Swift, and I, I don't want to use era because her new tour is called the Era Tour, but whatever. It's this time, like this and the, the Red album in Taylor Swift's career, she was making that shift from the really traditional sounding country into more of country pop than into more pop. And because of Taylor Swift's age, she's never gotten the credit as a lyricist that I really think she deserves. And I think this album is one of the most lyrically diverse albums. The, the music is just really engaging. I, I just personally really, really enjoy it. And the lyrics of music is what draws me into enjoying music um, usually a little more than the musical movements themselves. So that I think that's one of the reasons that I find myself as a Taylor Swift fan, just because I just think she's just such a good writer. And that just really appeals to me. And I think that as I've gotten older and, you know, even for individuals who've kind of aged out of her demographic, I think these songs still hold up. That listening to these these lyrics and the songs as an adult, it doesn't sound like the, you know, and this is not throwing any shade, but, 
you know, people that listen to Justin Bieber's first album might not enjoy his music 10 years later, mm-hmm. like when they've aged out of that demographic. But I think this particular album holds up after, you know, almost 12 years it's been since it was released. Well, oh, actually it has over 12, to over 12 yeah. years. So two out of two for me, but that's not really a surprise. <laughs> so. Okay. And then the last category is creativity, which we allot one point for music. I gave it half a point. Um, I think it's iconic. Obviously iconic. Um, Like you said, how many number one hits came from this album? Like four or something? Didn't you say? I didn't. I didn't say. That was the... Oh, 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 sorry. Uh, From the album. No, the the album charted at number one for two of the Billboard... The Billboard Top 200 and then the the country, the US country chart. So it's obviously iconic. And, And I feel like Taylor Swift at this point is an international name international like i i would be shocked if you said the name taylor swift to a majority of the world and they did not know who you were say, like talking about like even if you don't know her music you know her name you know her influence at this point and i feel like this era was really where she was starting to make that stride and take over the world for lack of better term um and I, I think she continued that momentum into the Red Album and 1989 album. Um, Taylor Swift is an international force at this point, and I have to give her that props. She's iconic. She's a household name at this point. But this album doesn't subvert any expectations for me. That didn't happen yet. So that's why I couldn't give it full points. I also just want to talk for a quick minute about her music videos. I like music videos. We've talked about this in the past. I'm a huge fan of music videos. I like to watch them all the time. Um, Every time an artist I like drops a song, I go watch the music video for it. Every time. I'm so consistent with music videos. And I like a lot of Taylor Swift's music videos for this. I think that um, they're really nicely done. Uh, They fit the sort of cinematic effect that her lyrical writing creates. Um, So I really appreciate those things. Um, One thing I did find funny, and I talked about this a little bit in in the Paramore episode, is that that era of YouTube was just like the crustiest resolutions. It's like, oh yeah, 480p, we were living large at that point. So I'm like, man, I sometimes wish they'd re-upload these in like 720 just so that we could see it in better quality. Um, But I think the music videos are also really good. Um, So I have to, to say that, you know, props to the creative team. They really had their work cut out for them for a lot of Taylor's songs because you do have a clear story and idea already present there's not much they have to do except execute it with some actors, which it's usually like Taylor and then an actor or whatever. Um, so for that, I think, you know, it's nice to see songs that so naturally, uh, they so naturally subject themselves to a visual form like a music video. So uh, half point out of one for creativity for me. Alrighty. I also gave this half a point for creativity. I think that having the deluxe version is pretty good. I, I mean, I think that an al- for an album to have a deluxe version is pretty unique. It's not unique to the music genre, but it's not common for artists to release a deluxe version and then actually 
give credit to the songs on that deluxe version. For example, the song Hours, which I mentioned earlier, is only on the deluxe version and Taylor Swift did release it as a single and make a music video for it. Most artists that release bonus tracks don't even act like they ever exist. So I think that's pretty commendable that they would do it. I, I agree with what you touched on as well. Like this really was the album that really started giving Taylor Swift traction outside of the country genre. I think that this album is really where country music fans started trying to push Taylor out of the country music industry. Not industry, but out of that genre. A lot of the traditional country music fans at the time were saying Taylor Swift isn't country. They were saying that even with her Fearless album. Um, and I, I personally think this is that that was so unwarranted because if you listen to country music now oh i know it's so poppy 99 of the songs sound like this album right the female country artists are writing music that sounds like this album so it's almost like in a way taylor swift was kind of setting the trend for country music not really like she's just one person like music is always evolving and changing but but she was ahead of her time. I think that if Taylor Swift was releasing music today, she would still be in the country genre. She wouldn't have been pushed out into the pop genre. Now, whether she wanted to stay in country, she that's her decision to make. And obviously, you know, like the, the Reputation album and even a lot of the 1989 album are very much pop and not country. But speaking out on Red, if they were released today, they would be on the country charts. And I th- obviously this, this album particularly charted on country music charts and won awards for country music but you know every song doesn't sound like the song mean which is very distinctly country so but at the same time i don't think it merits full points for creativity because it's not doing a lot for the music genre as a whole it is an iconic album for taylor swift fans and i think compared to taylor swift's other discography it's a very important album when you compare it to her other work. But for music as a whole, it's not really anything earth shattering. It's just earth shattering for Taylor Swift's career. So for that, I think that it's it's very distinctive, especially in the sense that it was released and charting on country music charts and that it was released in a time where country music as a genre was moving between that 90s country to current country. So I think in that sense, it's it should definitely get credit where credit's due, but I don't think it does anything revolutionary for music as a whole. And I think for people that aren't Taylor Swift's fans, they're, they're never going to think that this album is anything spectacular, and that's okay. So that's why I give it half a point for creativity. So what was your total score? My total score is 6 out of 10. Oh, that's really low for, for me, you. That's really low because yeah. I'm, I'm always like, yeah, everything's great. Yeah, I actually gave it 8.5 points out of 10. Yeah, I think this is our biggest difference in scores for like the opposite way. Normally, your scores are higher than mine when we have a big yeah. difference. Yeah, I think this is the first time I've ever rated anything lower than you. Is right? it? No, I think Klaus. I think you rated oh, lower than me. That's true. For Klaus. All right. All right. You ready for lightning round? Yep. Okay. 
favorite track? I already talked about this a little bit, but it's between Enchanted and Sparks Fly. You have to pick one. Enchanted. Okay. I don't know what my favorite track is. It kind of changes. What is it right now? No, I think I think my favorite, it does change. It kind of depends on what mood I'm in. But my favorite, I think, always circles back to Mean. Okay. I, just, I think that's my favorite track on the album. Okay. Um, least favorite track. I'm gonna get so I'm gonna get canceled by all the Swifties for saying this. Probably. It's never grow up. Wow. I know. I'm a heartless poser. You are a heartless poser. I just I don't it 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 feels a little bit like we're preying a little bit too much on our emotions. So I don't know. It it it's fine. I don't dislike oh, it. Oh, yeah. Now you're backtracking. No, trying I, to avoid I, the wouldn't hate. Say I, I wouldn't say I dislike any of the songs, but if I had to pick one, that's one that I'm usually going to skip. Yeah. So. I would say Innocent. I think I already mentioned that. It's probably yeah. my least favorite one. Um, what lyrical or musical change would you make to the album? Um, I would swap out some instruments just to try like new very like new combinations of things um or just uh a little bit more like genre deviation and i think it would increase my interest i guess in some of these tracks so yeah i think i would i would have more uh backing vocals or more variety of backing vocals including some other female female vocalists in the back for, for background vocals um, versus just Taylor singing background for herself, which I, I don't have a problem with, but I think that the adding more variety would just round out the vocal sound of the album a little more. Yeah. What track would you delete from the album? Um, am I allowed to choose a deluxe track? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then if this was a movie, I feel like it, it fit the least in my opinion. So I would just remove it or, any of the like acoustic version slash pop version that seemed unnecessary to me. Those are good answers. I think I would. I think I would delete "Innocent." I just really don't like that That's song. Fine. That's fine. So I feel like I keep just. I'm like a broken record, but I think okay. I would just delete that song from the album. Sure. What bonus track song would you add to the album? Like to the main album from the deluxe? Yes. Uh, ours, obviously. Yeah. It's the best one from the deluxe. Yeah, I would too. Me too. Do you have a favorite music video? I do. Wow. It's Mean. I think the music video for Mean is really fun. I like how she uses a bunch of different, like, um, sort of like Hollywood homages to, uh, to the different scenes, and I think that's really fun, so. That one's my favorite, too. Yeah. Yep. I also, I kind, I, I also, my second favorite would be The Story of Us. I really like that music video. I think it's kind of fun. Um, I think Ours is a good music video, although I do think it's a little tropey. It is a little tropey. I like the Back to December one, um, I because, not because I, think the acting is anything spectacular but i like that they use the effect of it snowing inside um to kind of like signify like the coldness that their relationship is is suffering i think that's kind of a nice like uh i guess cinematic 
choice. Yeah. So I like that video too. I remember when that music video was dropped, like all the comments on YouTube were just full of angst <laughs> that the male lead in that music video was not tan and the lyrics specifically say oh, I miss like, your tan, tan skin, skin. Yeah. because it's about Taylor Lautner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everybody was so mad that the male Wait, that lead... song is about Taylor Lautner? You didn't know that? No, I what didn't. What kind of fan are you? I don't know. I thought I was reading all the genius things. Nope. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, that song was written about Taylor Lautner. Interesting. Because she broke up with him. In December? Yeah. I, guess I don't so. know. I'm just speculating. I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, she uh, she broke up with him and it was, you know, a regret that she had or whatever. Yeah. Now he's like married, living his best life. Good for him. I know. And he married a girl <laughs> named Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> so <laughs> What is with that? I know, right? <laughs> so Taylor, Taylor, and Taylor. <laughs> okay, anyway. Yep. All right. If you could... But yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah, people were mad because the male lead in that video looked nothing like Taylor Lautner. And yeah, that he song, was like a blonde dude and he was like really pasty white pale and Mm -hmm. people were like he doesn't have tan skin at all how can you not even cast somebody who's tan good point so and i think people were very very unkind and saying ugly things about his appearance but anyways nice to the actors honestly they're they're just just making a paycheck i know (laughs) um all right last question if you could have another artist cover a song from this album, which artist and song would you pick? Ooh. Well, this did technically already happen. So you can't pick it. Okay. But you, you know can, sh- you can say, share right? the fact. Okay. I love that Adam Young responded to Enchanted with his own version of Enchanted because that song was written about him. I love that kind of stuff. Um... I would maybe, I, man, I, I mean, I, you kind of gave me this idea, so sorry, but I want a pop punk band like Paramore or All Time Low to sing better than Revenge. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. That'd be fun. That's my answer. I would want to hear like Paramore or uh, probably All Time Low would be. I, I think I would pick All Time Low. I would want them to cover Mean. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Headbanging instead of banjos. Yeah. Or maybe <laughs> have the banjo, but still make it sound like pop punk. Or no. Ooh. Let's have the Dropkick Murphys cover Mean. Oh, heck. <laughs> that would be something. Yeah. Because they have like banjo yeah. fiddle-esque stuff in their music anyways. Because yeah. they got that Irish flair to it. Right. But then have them cover Mean. That's what I would pick. That would be interesting. If Dropkick Murphys, if you're listening and you cover it, please send me some royalties for also, that. Also, Dropkick Murphys, if you're listening to this podcast... Tell us, because we would think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not Dropkick Murphys and you want to lie to us and tell us that you are Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> don't lie to us, actually. <laughs> no, don't. Please don't. It would crush us. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. We look forward to having you back next time. In the meantime, if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on our social medias. We have Twitter at Lion and Mouse Pod and Instagram at Lion and Mouse Podcast. And our website is lionandmousepodcast.com where you can find rules of engagement and notes from each episode. We also have a suggestion box where we would love for you to tell us what you'd like us to review next. If you want, you can always support us on Patreon. We would be so grateful if you ever decide to do that. 
our thanks go out to you just for listening. So Patreon support is just just icing on the cake. You're never obligated to do it. Our podcast will always be free. But if you do decide to, you can receive gifts and exclusive content for that additional support. If you like what you heard or don't like what you heard, please feel free to give us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We love getting feedback from you guys. We like to just make things better and get better content out to you guys. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and we will catch you guys in the next one.